Chapter 1 We were a half a mile high in a bright Everglades sky on the trail of five Navy torpedo bombers that vanished in 1945, yet my friend Tomlinson remained fixated on the fate of our marina's cat, which had gone missing only two days earlier. The curse of obsession is one of the few qualities my hipster neighbor and I share. The problem with cats, he lectured through the plane's intercom, is they have the ability to block human brain probes whenever they're in the damn mood, hunger and horniness the only exceptions. Otherwise, I would have tracked them down last night. Crunch and Des is always on the prowl, which I used to admire, not now. Either something bad happened or he's behaving like an ingrate, showing off just to prove he doesn't need us. Doc will back me up on this one, won't you, Doc? Crunch and Des is the communal cat at Dinkins Bay Marina, Sanibel Island, west coast of Florida, where I run a small company, Sanibel Biological Supply. When, as a young stray, he appeared at a Friday night dock party, a friendly debate ensued over a fitting name for an ink-black kitten with six toes on each paw. By the time three favorites had emerged, Poe, Sasquatch, and Ernest, Many cold beers and saucers of milk had been consumed, and debate had become mildly contentious. Fortunately, Mac, who owns the marina, intervened. He had just finished one of the late Philip Wiley's books, so honored the writer by naming the cat after Wiley's two hard-nosed 1940s fishing guides. It seemed an absurd choice at the time, looking at that sleeping, pot-bellied kitten curled next to a beer keg. Within a year, though, the cat was big enough— and sufficiently scarred from battle to shoulder two names. If a gator grabbed him, Tomlinson continued, I think I would have sensed the panic vibes, like alarm bells, you know. With sentient beings I care about, my subconscious maintains a telepathic link. That's why his disappearance has me so freaked. I think the little bastard's just screwing with my head, like when women intentionally try to make us jealous. But, hey, don't get me started on that subject. Beside me, at the controls of his beautiful little Maul M7 seaplane, Dan Futch, the best pilot I know, glanced at me, his expression asking, You trust this guy? I nodded, usually, before adjusting my headphones and saying, Shouldn't your mystic powers be focused on Flight 19? Five planes and fourteen men vanish without a trace almost seventy years ago. If you can make a telepathic link with them, I'll be impressed. We'll look for the cat when we get back if he hasn't turned up already. Tomlinson was sitting behind me and put a hand on the back of Dan's seat. Doc gets pissy when dealing with stuff that can't be explained. You ever notice? Same with anything that requires emotion. I ignored him, my thoughts on the missing planes. Fourteen men lifted off from Lauderdale sixty-eight years ago on a routine flight that should have taken two hours. Instead, their disappearance has baffled generations of searchers and spawned the myth of the Bermuda Triangle. I looked out the starboard window and asked Dan, We're close to Big Cypress Swamp, right? The pilot's eyes shifted to the GPS screen mounted above a console of gauges and electronics. Parks aren't marked in this software version. Everglades City's about fifteen miles off our tail, Tamiami Trail a few miles north. No roads or landmarks for the next thirty miles until we're closer to Miami, so you can see why it'd be easy to get lost without electronics. Or think you're still over water. The more research I do, Doc, the more I'm convinced it could have happened. Futch, too, was thinking back to that stormy winter night 
when the five torpedo bombers went missing. It was possible his theory was valid, but I was skeptical, despite the fact my pilot pal knows a lot more about aviation and missing planes than I ever will. We were over a sea of sorts, a sea of scud-colored swamp and sawgrass, the horizon a plain of flaxen gold in the late morning sun. Below the earth was pocked with limestone implosions, random as craters on the moon, and there were islands of cypress trees that illustrated isolation, each silver dome set miles apart, alone, eroded into tear shapes by the slow flow of water draining seaward off the Florida plateau. A river of grass, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas had described it, which is accurate but doesn't capture the immenseness of the lower forty-eight's largest roadless, unpopulated wilderness, the Everglades. We've got some thermals building up ahead, Futch said, but that's...